ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Make me feel good. The podcast. There's a brother and sister both bringing their culture to some of the biggest stages in the country, which makes me ask a couple of questions right away. In a digital world, what's the appeal of telling such unplugged stories? And also, how entertaining were those two as kids? How good were the plays you two would call the family in to put on when you were little kids? <laughs> uh, well, I'd actually have to say I was more of a drama person yeah. and performer than Nathan was back in the day. I'd actually yeah. call everyone into the lounge room and I was more of a dancer, but I did actually think that I was really good at telling funny jokes, but they were not funny jokes. <laughs> they weren't funny. None of them made any sense. There was no punchline. Nathan and Sarah Maynard aren't competitive with each other these days, but some family memories just deserve to be dug up. Mum used to make you sing the Home and Away song, (laughs) (laughs) the theme song, and we'd have to sit there and listen to you both sing the song, the Home and Away. How does it go? I can't even remember. I feel like it's been a lifetime. I I can cue you in if you want to revisit that moment. No, 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 no. I don't know why I was so brave when I was young, but I literally, that was our sense of entertainment growing up in Rochalie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but she also used to dance, remember? (laughs) And I still stir to this day because she done this genie routine where she dressed up as a genie and mum, you know, proudly put the um, picture up in the lounge room <laughs> and for years later, you know, because we, you know, we stir each other and I'd, you know, we'd be out in town, I'd say, Sarah, do the genie dance, do the genie dance. <laughs> and look, I just want to point out, Helen, that um, even though Nathan is a well-known writer, I was a professional dancer when I was younger, when I was a kid, and I think he's a little bit jealous of my genie dancing capabilities, no, just putting it out there. No, she's jealous of my dancing <laughs> capabilities. We actually went to some salsa dance lessons once. Yeah, I convinced yeah. him up in North Hobart. Yeah. yeah. And we went there and I actually got asked to go up to the advanced level and she didn't. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. So do you think the the competitiveness between siblings has helped promote your careers to this point? I don't know, because we're actually not really competitive with each other as adults. But when we're younger, I think most young people and young kids, mm. you know, you've got that element of cheekiness and competitive nature about you. Mm. But... um. I have to say, those poor people up at North Hobart that we did salsa with, I introduced myself as Peggy because we thought we'd go one time. Nathan introduced himself as Cedric and then we had to keep up the routine for like four or something weeks when we'd go back every week. I was uh, Peggy and Cedric. And so there was a lot of old ducks and they were like, oh, how are you going, Peggy and Cedric? And we'd go, who are they talking to? They're talking to us. And And we'd have to actually keep it up. But those old old ducks were lovely yeah. but yeah Nathan I think thinks he was a star but you know um yeah I don't I don't think he was that good the proof is in the pudding they asked me to go up to the advanced level they didn't ask her you know I'll rest my case sorry for him there was quite a few ladies there and they did want a male to stick around for a while <laughs> they can struggle to get yeah. the the numbers the, with the men in those classes absolutely yeah. Yeah. no offense yeah, <laughs> I'll take it yeah. <laughs> Classic sibling territory, less well-trodden, is the path to them both making it to the main house theatre stage. 
it's a very on-demand digital world we're in. What role does theatre play in that world, do you reckon? Good question. Well, I think it takes you out of the digital world. One thing I love about going to the theatre is, you know, people are not sitting there watching it through their phones. You know, like you go to so many concerts these days and, you know, you watch people filming (laughs) what's on stage instead of watching it and you can't do that in the theatre. You know, and there's nothing, nothing beats live performance. Don't get me wrong, I, lo- I absolutely love theatre. Theatre is, you know, one of my biggest passions. But not every theatre show you go to is, is the best show you're ever going to see. But when you do see one that's great, it's, it gives you a feeling that I struggle to get from any other kind of entertainment. Well, it's magic. That's yeah. what it is. It's yeah. magic. And it's quite interactive because, yeah. you, you, you know, you're so caught up in the moment and in the performance and no performance is ever the same. Yeah. So, you know, you're watching it live and and I just, I, I don't think that you can beat that. Yeah. And for me, like I, I haven't actually been to the theatre only until Nathan had his last show. It's only been recent years that I've actually been to the theatre and there's a lot of Aboriginal people who have never been to the theatre before or, you know, have only recently been. So I feel like it's a new world for us as well and it's even better that there's stories on stage that, relate to us, you know, that are our stories. You know, there's a sense of connection. Yeah. And I suppose there's an extra rush for me going to the theatre as a, as a playwright to see if, <laughs> to, hoping that the the actors will get my lines correct. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that, there's that element too. What was the introduction to the theatre for you, Nathan Maynard? Um, I did love speech and drama at high school, loved it, but I, I suppose I went away from high school not knowing that was a medium that I could pursue. And then, actually, I got cast in a Finnegan Crookemeyer play that Terraprim were doing, Shadow Dreams, and I had to play, um, I was a bit younger then, and because I'm, you know, vertically challenged, they wanted someone to play the role of a 12-year-old boy and they asked me to audition. I, I auditioned. Um, spent six weeks with the show and during that time absolutely fell in love with theatre again and the whole time I was there I was just thinking what a bloody deadly platform to tell my people's stories and so it just it sort of yeah snowballed from there I went went to a Tasmanian Performs Artists in Residence up the Highlands and I had to take an idea there and I took an idea that was (laughs) you know laughing now because I was so green it was probably a five million dollar idea and I'm not joking (laughs) And I was talking to a lot of people there and they sort of said, great idea, Nathan, but you might want to cut your teeth on something smaller. And it was actually a fellow called Guy Hooper, you know, a well-known Tasmanian actor, who'd listened to me talk his ears off about mutton burden. And he said, Nathan, why don't you, you know, write a play about mutton burden? And I had thought about it before, but, I, you know, I was so green. I was like, well, how do you put mutton birds on stage? Like, how do, where do I keep these mutton birds from mutton bird season until we have to put them on at the Theatre Royal? And then I was like, oh, do we do stuffed mutton birds? You know, I was so green. Everything I thought about at that stage was so literal. So I went away from there and I thought, yeah, maybe I can tell a story about mutton burden. So I went away and started writing the season. And that's how I become a playwright. It's wild. That production, where did it end up? Yeah, I opened at the Sydney Opera House. Yeah, and eventually come down to Tassie, which is probably one of the best days of my life, the the opening night. What do you remember of being in the audience at the season? 
Oh, God. The family went up. We'd never been to the Sydney Opera House before. We rocked up and we're all there and we go, oh, well, where do you go in? And then taking a few family photos and we're all a bit excited. And next minute, I'm like, geez, that person seems familiar. Geez, I know that person. All of these famous people were rocking up to see Nathan's play and we're all in there. And it was magic. And to see a Tasmanian Aboriginal story... You know, mutton birding is really instrumental and really important part of our history and our culture, and it's a continuation of our culture. There's a real celebration of the mutton bird season. It brings a whole entire Tasmanian Aboriginal community together. And so to see that in Sydney was magic. Mm. I, I I can't describe it any other way. The audience really got it. They really got it. And there's nothing better than sitting in an audience and... For them to actually learn and understand more about the Tasmanian Aboriginal community, that's a platform and an opportunity for the broader community to learn about Tasmanian Aboriginal history and culture and our stories. We're a strong community, we're a resilient community, and so a lot of the ways that we tell stories, we do it in a humorous manner. So it can be the most tragic circumstances or confronting kind of stuff that you know a lot of non-Aboriginal people don't know how to handle or take in but you know we just have this habit of telling and sharing stories in a humorous way Mm. but in a direct way and I think that the season did a really good job at guiding everyone on a journey. You didn't tell people about mutton birding you brought them into the sheds on the islands yeah. with that play and now you have uh, another play about to have its theatre royal season at what cost what room are you bringing them into in at what cost uh, I, i'm bringing them in to the lounge room of i think most blackfellow households where we're having this yarn and where and a yarn that we've had been having for a long long time now but for some reason we've been having it in hushed tones. And I suppose I described it the other day, you know, it's, <laughs> it's I think for a white audience, they'll be watching and, and listening and, and having the feeling like they shouldn't be watching. I described it the other day as like it's watching your neighbours have sex. <laughs> you probably watch, but you know you shouldn't be. <laughs> right, this is personal yeah, stuff. That's it. <laughs> but it's G-rated. Oh, probably not G, but yeah, it's not, it's not X-rated. <laughs> there was a few of us actually in the community who flew up to Sydney and, and watched it at Belvoir. And um, because obviously I, you know, read the script and knew about the story because Nathan shares a lot of stuff with me. Don't give away any... No, I won't give anything away, but I'll just point out, so there was myself, Cynthia Mansell, Nala Mansell, Aaron Everett. So a group of us went up there and, and watched it and because I knew all about it, but obviously I hadn't seen it on stage, which is a completely different element, to see their response, you know, that was... It was beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Could you really feel the tension in the room? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was interesting actually. You know, it just finished its season at at Brisbane at Queensland Theatre Company and before that it was at Belvoir. And um, the last show I watched at Belvoir was Community Night, you know, like Blackfellas in Sydney. And I was, yeah, I was so interested to see, you know, because it was the first time I had an Aboriginal audience and I'm like, wonder how, you know, this mob are going to go, you know, because, you know, 
yeah, fair enough. We're it's Aboriginal Australia, but we we're totally different mobs. But they totally got it, and they were totally behind it. And it was a different audience. They laughed at different jokes, and they gasped at, at different lines. And mm. yeah, their reactions. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. I think also. A lot of the black fellas that I know across the country and that we all know who have actually gone along to see the play have said, we love this, this is an issue for us too. Even though we're different, this theme is a theme for black fellas nationwide and I believe that's why this play is so powerful because it unites black fellas across the country and it's something that we're all passionate about and we've all had enough of. And I think, I don't know, you know, I might be making up, but I think why white audiences connect with it is because it is it is voyeurism. <laughs> you know, they get to see into a world they don't normally get to see into, but it's safe for white fellas. You know, I feel like white fellas feel safe watching this because they're not in this piece. It's interesting because I've had so many white fellas really, you know, really enjoy this piece. Being a writer, you think about these things and you think, well, I wonder why. And I think it's because they're not in this piece. They're safe. <laughs> 